right. Go ye kids. Go ye. All right. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and let's turn to the book of Proverbs. And uh, why don't we start in chapter 14 and verse 12. Chapter 14, verse 12. It says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, my Bible, turn just one page in your chapter 16 and verse 25. It says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, when God says something once, that makes it important. Amen? Uh, when he says it twice, uh, that means you better pay attention. And what I would like to do tonight is just preach on a subject that I've preached on probably, I don't know how many times before. But what I'd like for us to do is take a few moments and deal with the subject of Saved from. What God has saved us from. What our salvation really means. Uh, and, and I want you to start with the thought process of how many of you remember when you were on the way that seemed right. Uh, everything was going a direction in your life that you, you thought was good. And, and how many of you could say, I see now that if the Lord had allowed me to continue in that direction that I was going in, I probably wouldn't be here today. Uh, That's my testimony. Uh, There is a way which seemeth right. You know, most people do not go about trying to find something wrong to do. I mean, there, there are a few. Uh, They're called politicians, I guess. Uh, Always just looking for something wrong to do. Um, But for the most part, people are trying to do right. The problem is we live in a world where right is wrong and wrong is right. And they got it all mixed up. and And yet most people think that they're doing what's right. Could I... Could we use this as a jumping off place if we might? I don't like using... Scripture necessarily just for a diving board, but uh, uh, a place for us to get into this. The first thing God saved you from was from your own thoughts and your own understanding. Uh, You know, I've often said it this way, and and I don't know, uh, I need to work on a better way to say it, but, you know, the first symptom... Uh, of someone that is emotionally unstable or having problems with reality perception is simply this, is you do not believe anyone but yourself. Uh, If uh, that is a standard thing, you're not going to find that in textbooks. I'm just giving uh, information from... Uh, the many, many, many people I've dealt with over the years, when you refuse to listen to what other people will tell you about what's going on, you, you'd better just ask God to put one of those red sirens in your head, uh, waving flags, uh, one of those, the road ends here signs, that because you are in danger. 
Because not one of us is the sum total of all knowledge. The most foolish man in the world. I only believe what I can see and what I can check out. How many of you have heard somebody say that? Well, you don't believe in much now, do you? Because if that's what you really believe, where you really want to live, you better turn off all electrical lights because we can understand how they work, but we don't understand what they are. Uh, no, no scientist in the world can give a complete, simple definition of light. We give a conditional definition. We can explain the light that comes from these light bulbs. We can explain the light that comes out of a laser and we'll disable the motor on a terrorist uh, little boat at three or four hundred yards. That's pretty cool stuff. I, I just love that. They're out there putting around, going to kill all these people, and all of a sudden their boat doesn't run anymore. And, and they don't know why, but we certainly do. And then they took out the terrorist and rescued the guys. And That stuff's pretty... I, I love technology like that, don't you? Uh, I mean, the... Uh, the, the bad guy's got it all planned out, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, why doesn't our missile work anymore? Well, there just might have been an underhanded American in there messing with your technology, huh? Uh, it's not only the Russians that hack things. Amen? And uh, uh, so it, it's... But it's a dangerous world. You're in a very dangerous position when you can't listen to someone else. Now, how many of you remember the first time you heard someone tell you what the Bible said about yourself? Did you like that? Was that a pleasant revelation? It's like, I'm not coming back to that church. That preacher's crazy. He, he... He thinks he knows this and that, and he's telling me things. Uh, I love the uh, little drama that Brother Marshall worked up years ago, Dr. Law and Dr. Grace, and the sinner goes to Dr. Law, and he says, I know what your problem is. And the person playing the sinner says, well, no, you haven't even heard my problems yet. I feel like that sometimes. Somebody will come and say, Pastor, I need to explain. No, you don't need to explain really Most of the time, you don't need to explain. You see, God saved us from having to explain ourselves if we'll just trust what He says about who we are. Isn't that comforting? It it is to me. Because there's a lot of things that I think I understand that I really don't. Anybody else ever been there? Uh, you know, I've often joked with our students from Bible college that, you know, uh, our Bible colleges are one of the greatest repositories of knowledge in the history of mankind because our students show up, they know everything, and they leave saying, boy, I don't know anything. And, and so all of that knowledge had to go somewhere. If you guys could just find it, you'd get good grades, you know. Uh, the only problem is that kind of knowledge doesn't help now, does it? What you need to do and need to understand is there's a way that seemeth right. But God saved me from me 
having to make that decision. Now I know what's right. Because it is written down. How many could say amen to that? How about we turn to the book of Jeremiah? You know where we're going here. How many already know what chapter we're headed to? Jeremiah chapter, say it out loud, 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. Let's start in verse 7. It says, Blessed is the man who, that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green. And shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Jeremiah chapter 17, we read verses 5 through 10. You see, the Lord saves me from my heart. How many of you have really wanted something really wrong. God has, if you're here tonight and you're saved, He has saved you from your thought processes for what seems right by giving you a word that's written right. He has saved you, maybe we could put it this way, from what feels right in my heart. I I get so frustrated because everywhere you go, follow your heart. It will always be true to yourself. Uh, Don't do that. Be true to Jesus Christ. Tell your heart No. I've often said this, and I'll keep saying it till the Lord comes back. My dad taught me most of the time the meaning of two words. No and now. I'll tell you what, if you could just learn the meaning of those two words, how many problems would it solve? I mean, a whole education, and you only need to have three letters. N-O and N-O-W. And, uh, but that's what Jesus is telling the people of Israel through Jeremiah the prophet. He said, listen, if you'll trust in the Lord, if you'll stop leaning on your own understanding, that which seemeth right to you, you're going to be like that tree. And when the drought comes, the root's going to be down into the water and you're not going to be changed by the circumstances of life. It is so sad to watch people be moved by something that happens in their life. You know, God never intended us to be moved. He intended us to be anchored to His Word. And... You know, I've often wondered how people without faith in God, how do you deal 
with the tragedy that is in this world? How do you deal with evil people out there who, who just want to murder you, to destroy our nation in which we live, to take our freedoms away just because we have them? Don't, don't listen to the news media. It has nothing to do with the fact that we have freedom here and they don't. You see, the issue is control. The issue is they don't want to be free. How many of you remember the crazy stories? This was uh, back right after the Berlin Wall was torn down and the Soviet Union disintegrated and we had a huge influx of, of former Soviets into the United States and some bright bulb over at uh, whatever the news organization goes around says, I was finding people, oh, it's terrible to live in the United States. There's too much freedom here. You just don't know what to do. <laughs> Sitting there and calling. Uh, I've never heard that testimony from any of the people in our church uh, that have left that totalitarian regime. And they're enjoying the freedoms that are here. Amen? But, let me tell you, that heart, let's see, that heart is deceitful above all things. You cannot trust yourself for a second. We wish, every one of us do in our lives, certain things, that there was just, just some way that I could take a pill or or go on a 30-day regiment, and I would have this problem solved in my life. How many of you ever been there? doesn't work that way. Because your heart knows how to get around anything. You know what? You don't have to teach children how to lie. They, they just instinctively know. You don't have to teach children how to do something wrong behind mom and dad's back they're they're good at covering things up praise god he gives mom and dad ability you know I, someone says well i just trust my kids i don't trust mine i don't trust them at all and that's one of the reasons they're they turned out as good as they have because they know that dad's going to chase them down. And, uh, and there's bad things that are going to happen. It's just the way it's supposed to be. If we could understand that God is going to do that same thing with us, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't listen to our heart now, would we? It is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. We don't have time to chase this one tonight, but uh, I like to call it the Solomon complex. You know, part of Solomon's problem when he got to the book of Ecclesiastes was that he had all of this knowledge in his heart. He knew everything about everything that a human being could know. And he stopped serving God and sat himself up as a God 
and begin to tell other people how they ought to live their lives. You know, that's what Jesus was talking about, judge not. And Paul, in Romans, he said, if you're a judge of the law, you're no more a doer of the law. And, and you can chase that thing. If you want a Bible study to do on your own, there's one to go home and do some work on. Because how many of you have sat down and solved someone else's problems while you leave your own untouched? You see, that's Solomon. That is that deceitful heart giving you the satisfaction of solving someone else's problems and the satisfaction of ignoring your own problems. You see, Jesus saved me from all that. He saved me from what I think and what I know is right, even though it's wrong. He saved me from what I feel about being right, even though it's wrong. He has put everything in a filter. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 55. That filter is the Word of God. And we have to take who and what we are and what we do, and we have to sift it through this filter here. This is your protection. Your mind will take you places where God never intended you to go. I remember talking with a young man years ago, and he said, I'm just trying to know God's will for my life. He said, I'm praying about marrying this girl, and I I just believe it's God's will. I said, so what's the problem? He says, well, yesterday I didn't believe it was God's will. And he said, I keep having these arguments and I keep praying and one day I think it is and the next day I think it isn't. He said, which one is God speaking to me? I said, would you really like me to answer that question? He said, well, yes. I said, neither one. They're both coming from your own heart. You see, God doesn't vacillate. God doesn't go back and forth. And so when it's going, you know, the devil, we'll get to this when we, in a few minutes, the, the, the devil is smarter than you are. Don't get in a chess game with the devil. Trust me, don't do this. It doesn't work. It never works. Isaiah chapter 55, let's look at verse Uh, 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God knows. God has the answer. And the greatest thought and the greatest thing you can accomplish are absolutely nothing compared to the least 
that God has to offer for you. You see, God saves me from my thoughts. He saves me from my heart's direction, its love, its feelings. And He saves me from the little bit of success that I can attain that looks so good. How many of you have ever thought you were doing something good for the Lord and then found out it was attached to something not so good? A lot of times we have that going on in our life. Why is that happening? Because the moment something good happens, we stop relying on God and we start relying on ourselves. That's why Paul says, forgetting those things that are behind. I'm pressing toward the mark. He says, it's, it's not about me. I will say this till the day I die. I would hope that someone will have enough wisdom at my funeral to put, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's supposed to be about Jesus. Why is it quiet? Because we have the most problem about ourselves, don't we? And see, that's what Jesus saved you from. The world lives in a world that's all about me. What a terrible place to be. How many of you have had someone fail you doing something that you needed and you expected from them to do? We all have, haven't we? You know why that happens? Because we didn't let the Lord save me from me. I'm there expecting something. I'm there hoping something. Every person is going to fail. We often say this about marriage. Woman marries what she thinks he's going to be, and a man marries what he sees. The only problem is there's no man that can be what she thinks her man's going to be. And after a few years, what he sees is going to change. And so that's what makes marriage such an unstable thing. You can laugh. But I'll tell you what, if you get your eyes off yourself, what seemeth right, what you feel is right in your heart, the wee little bit of success, the good things that you do that look so good. I mean, they even come close to the Bible. God says, you can't even think the way I do, no matter what. Give it up. Stop trying to be God and let me save you from yourself. How many would say, amen? This is what God saves us from. Now, the second point is God saves us from sin. How many of you are glad about that? For the wages of sin is what? And death has passed upon all men for that all have sinned. God saves us from death. He saves us from the death that sin brings. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for just a few moments. And just walk down through these verses here. Some of the things that God has saved us from. 
And you have to understand this. Sin cannot be wiped off the book without payment. You, the word forgiveness in the Bible, and we spent a lot of time on this, the word forgiveness cannot be executed. There is no forgiveness until the debt is paid. You go to the bank, you take out a loan. When does the bank forgive your loan? When it's paid. You say, well, I went to court and they took it away. Well, then we paid for your loan, not you. But somebody paid for it. Because the bank is going to get their money. How many remember Y2K? Oh, every computer is going to break down and Chase Manhattan is going to lose $10 billion a second. It was something like that. I remember going, listen, how many, how many were here in July of, of as we, uh, 1999 as we were waiting 2000? said, not going to happen. The Pentagon's going to lose all their nukes. Gonna... The Pentagon can lose a lot of things, but one thing they have never done is send a nuke somewhere that they didn't intend for it to go. None of that stuff happened. You know why? Because people keep a little better track of things than we give them credit for. Now, don't they? God keeps track of everything. And the only way he saves us from sin was by sending Jesus Christ to pay every ounce, every farthing, every mite. If you want the smallest amount of money in the Bible. And so we, we look here and uh, let's just start here. Um, um, where, where, where am I? I'm sorry. Uh, let's uh, get down. Oh. I didn't turn the page. Let's uh, get down to verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Uh, the last enemy that is to be destroyed is what? Is death. God saved us from sin. He saved us from the penalty of sin. The sting of verse 56, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. See, once You've sinned, you come under the jurisdiction of the law. And God never once has broken his law. That's why hell is a reality. Because what choice does God have if you refuse the payment that God has made for your sin? There are no other alternatives. God has saved you from the penalty of sin by sending Jesus who died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, I often tell people as I'm witnessing, that's why Jesus had to die on the cross, because the wages of sin is death. Someone had to pay, and Jesus did. And God saved us from our sins. 
Amen? And so, and if somebody has a problem with understanding what sin is, just take them down through the Ten Commandments. It's the simplest thing. That's why they're there. They're there to convict you. Thou shalt have no other gods before thee. Someone said, well, I've never done that. Oh, really? Uh, You've never disagreed with God? Well, everybody's entitled to their opinion, right? Well, wait a minute. You can't disobey any of the other ten, uh, the nine other commandments, without breaking that one first. Because you put yourself in the place of God and say, yeah, it's okay. How many of you have heard yourself say that? It'll be okay. No, it won't be okay. Because the wages of sin is death. God saved us from that penalty. How many of you are glad about that? He saved us from ourselves. He saved us from sin and God's wrath. And God has saved us from our enemies. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians. Oh, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 9, there we go. We'll get the right place there. Here's what it says. Paul said, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us that... For the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Paul was in trouble. He was under attack. In fact, he had despaired that there would be any deliverance of any kind from this situation. All of a sudden, God stepped in. You know, if you cannot trust your life with God, what are you trusting Him with? I've I've had people, I'm willing to trust Jesus take me to heaven, but what if he calls me to go to the mission field? If you trust God with your eternal soul, what do you have that is a greater value than that? The fact that you don't trust God with something of a lesser value, like the determination of the direction of your life or the job you should work or this person that's attacking you or, or whatever else you might fit in there, is evidence that you really don't trust God with your soul. See, this is where a lot of people miss the boat for salvation. Is they're willing to... Say with words, I trust you with my soul, dear God, because you can't see it. You can't put a handle on it. But when it comes time to trust God with something you've got a hand on, all of a sudden it becomes difficult. Wait a minute. If you can't trust God with something you can see and touch, you better be careful because you're not trusting him with what you cannot see and what you cannot touch. See, God saved me from that. God saved you. If you're truly saved, He has saved us from these things. 
Turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And this is a uh, just a few verses here, the end of the chapter here, talking to preachers. Verse 24, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach patience in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If preventure, God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him, by the devil, at his, the devil's will. How many of you have ever felt yourself in that situation where it just seems like the devil has got the control of the thing? Well, let me tell you, if you ever find yourself there, you better know something. You're not in God's will. You just simply got to take that. Because that's what the Bible's saying here. And it says that the job of the preacher is in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. It says that they can recover themselves. We have a lot of songs here where we say, Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, and snatch them in pity. But how many of you remember what happened when you got saved? It was like one moment the light came on. And you said, I've got to trust Jesus as my Savior. How many of you remember that? It was just like all of a sudden you woke up and you understood what the Bible said. And you said, I've got to do that. Amen? Well, you know what? That's the same way God works in every area of your life. The problem is, if you... Don't wake up. That's what the word recover there means. Those who are supposed to know these things. That they may recover themselves. You see, God is there. He, His power to save you from every sin, we've already discussed this, is there. Amen? His victory over yourself, over your heart, over your feelings, over your mind, over the little bit of success that you think you have ever had. God's Saving power is there. But he expects you to grab a hold of the rope. And that's how you're going to recover yourself. Because not a one of us are a match for the devil. I've met some crazy students when I was in Bible college. And they, they wanted to meet the devil. As far as I know, not a one of them ever finished Bible college. Sounds to me like they got their wish. You see, that's not the way it works. God's power is there. It is not God's will for any one of us to sin, period. Amen? So why is the devil so successful in all of our lives? Because we're not paying attention. We'll go back to the Old West. There's the Lone Ranger. He fell off his horse. And he's hanging on the side of the cliff by one hand. And a little root is starting to pull out. How many of you have ever seen that scene? I mean, every Western has one. 
And then the guy throws the rope and he lets go and grabs all the rope. And they, It never happens that way in real life. You couldn't make your mind let go, unloose of that branch. They're going to find you all broken up in little tiny pieces holding on to it with a death grip at the bottom of the canyon. That's, but if you'll let the Lord, if you'll listen to His Word, God will allow you to wake up and let go and grab a hold of only that which can save you, which is God's Word. Are we still together there? You see, so much of what we face in this life, we don't even understand what's going on. We have so little understanding of how often and how terribly we fail God in our attempts for service for Him. How many would say, Pastor, I don't understand what you said, but I think I'm with you on that one. I mean, uh, that that's where we are. And if we'll wake up to that, we'll realize that God has saved me from what I understand. He saved me from my feelings. He saved me from my sins. He saved me from my enemies. The greatest of which is the devil who walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil hates you. But I want you to turn with me back to 1 Corinthians here, chapter 15. See, God saved me from myself. He saved me from my sin. He saved me from God's wrath. He saved me from my enemies. Verse 57. 1 Corinthians 15. Everybody there? But thanks be to God which giveth us the... What's that word? Let's try it again. But thanks be to God which giveth us the... Through Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You see, God saved me from these things so I could serve Him. Isn't that amazing? That the God who had to do all of this to save us, now He wants me to serve Him. And He wants me to serve Him in a way, steadfast. Now, wait a minute. Didn't we just talk about you can't be sure of anything that comes from your heart? Uh, So how can I serve Him steadfast? Well, it comes from His Word. That's what makes me steadfast. Unmovable. Someone showed me a cartoon many years ago. It was a, it's a preacher's cartoon, basically. And two scholars were sitting there and the one says, Yes, but in the original language it means no. Uh, you can sit there and you can change any word you want. But if you'll just pay attention to the words that are there, you only get one thing from your Bible. That's why you can be steadfast. That's why you can be unmovable. And if it's the Holy Spirit in you, 
He's always going to have you abounding in the work of the Lord. And you don't have to worry. What did Jesus say? Even a cup of cold water. Even a cup of cold water is going to be... If it's done God's way. If it's done your way, forget it. Not going to count. But if it's done His way, you're going to receive a reward. Because God saved us to serve Him. And you know the most wonderful thing that could happen in your life is serve Jesus. Isn't that true? If you love me, keep my commandments. Guess what? If I want to love you, I keep his commandments. And not only do I love him, but I love the people around me as well. It's an amazing thought. Because most of the time when I think about loving another person, I have to come up with a list of things to do for them. But the Bible says... Don't get out your book and start writing out things you can do for other people. If you want to love the children of God, you just start doing what God said. And you'll automatically love the children of God. God saved us from so much. And He's given us freedom to serve Him. And all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what it does in our lives. We thank you for what you've saved us from. We thank you for what you've saved us to. And Lord, we ask that you would help us. As weak and as failure prone as we are. To live in your love. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, if you need to... Add a few of your own. You may do so in your seat or slip out and come down to the altar.